Hey people, welcome to Enoch Baptist Church Podcast. This is your host, C.B. Baker, alongside Dr. Michael G. Daniels. Today we will be finishing up the Marriage and Relationship Podcast Series, and today we will be discussing forgiveness. Now, me and Pastor have been sitting around, kicking around ideas on what the next subject should be, and we, and we settled on forgiveness because it covers a lot of different things from, you know, money to infidelity, to a lot of other different things that, you know, people may do in a relationship that the other person may deem as a quote unquote deal breaker. So today we're going to discuss that. So welcome to the show, Dr. Daniels. Thank you again. Uh, it's always a great pleasure to, to be with you. And uh, I am um, really looking forward to um, talking about this topic. Um, because in most relationships, the the one single thing that causes the most problems is our inability to let go. Yes, it is, and and you and you know as well as everybody else listening knows, some people in a relationship will just not let stuff go, especially as we talked about in the previous um, episodes, not wanting to lose an argument. You know, and you, you you don't really lose the argument or you table the argument. You say, well, I don't, I'm done fussing for right now about this. And then you bring it up later, two weeks down the road when everything is cool, you know, to really jab back at the person again. But but did you really forgive them if you're willing to do that? You know, so we got to let's get into that a little bit. And um, some of the other things we talked about were infidelity and money. Sure. Well, you know, when you think about forgiveness um, and, and as you pointed out, Forgiveness is uh, allows us to move forward. And, and so we have to understand that forgiveness does not mean that I think that the person's actions uh, were, were proper. It does not mean that I accept that their actions should be done again. Uh, forgiveness allows me to do two things. One, I forgive so that we can repair because you cannot repair a, a relationship unless you're willing to forgive so you can move forward. Uh, The other reason why I forgive is so that I can move on. And so it's vital to forgive whether or not you're going to stay or whether or not you're going to go. Because if you hold on to it, you're the one that becomes imprisoned. And you don't want to imprison yourself. Uh, And if you're going to stay with the person, you need to forgive so you can stop living in the past. One of the biggest things I find with couples is they lose the ability to enjoy today because they spend so much time in the past as if the past controls who they are right now. And and what you have to come to grips with is that once it's over, it really is over. And now I can enjoy where I am right now. And that's why I think it's important for people to understand the process of forgiveness and how to forgive and and how to move forward uh, so they can enjoy where they are and start building on the future. Now you mentioned something that's, that I want to touch on a little bit more is living in now, living in the present. A lot of couples or people in general don't do this. You know, either if you take a little bit outside of marriage relationships, you know, a lot of people in general live in the past or whether it be good things that happen or bad things that happen. And a lot of people also live in the past and live in the future and both don't live in the present. Like um, today we're recording this show is Valentine's Day. And a, a lot of people today will be spending today in the present. So everybody's in love at the moment, hopefully anyway. And they're taking time out today, but 
you kind of miss that if you're not really thinking on that level day to day. Yeah, certainly. And, and what you say is perfectly, um, is right on point. Because most of us, what we do is this. We live in the past and we worry about the future. And that's why we tend to not let go and forgive. I mean, for example, let's say um, my spouse, my significant other, whoever, uh, let's say that um, in the past they hurt me for whatever reason. So um, what happens is that as I'm progressing through each day, what I start to do is I start to look for those telltale signs that tell me that they are still doing what they did in the past. And so as I see those telltale signs, now I start to relive my past. Now, what I'm worried about is what they might do tomorrow. So I'm, I'm living in the past, and I'm worried that they might make that same mistake tomorrow. So I'm living in my past, and I'm worried about their future. I can't enjoy my today because I'm spending all my time worrying about what they did and hoping they won't do it tomorrow right. as if that's going to change anything. And so as I you know, take from what Christ said, he said, which one of you by worrying about uh, tomorrow can add one inch to your height or can change one hair on your head? And worrying does not change it. I don't care how much I worry about what might happen, it won't change what will happen. Right. And I don't care how much I lament about what has happened, it won't change what has happened. It's over with. So then how do I get past that? Well, it really is so simple that a fool could figure it out. The only way to live in your present is to take your mind and put it on the present. <laughs> and that really is just that simple. And so then how does that relate in forgiving? I have to understand that forgiving does not mean forgetting. Some people think that if I forgive you, that means I have forgotten. No, that's not how the mind works. That's not how the body works. But what you have to look at and appreciate is simply this. My forgiveness of you is so we can repair our relationship and move from the past to the present. So once I forgive you, I must have gotten to the point where we have dealt with the issue and we both understand that the issue is one that neither one of us want repeated. And that's, I think, is the clear thing that we have to consider. If neither one of us wants it to be repeated, that way we can say, well, okay, we can move forward to today. It doesn't mean I've forgotten it. It means I just stopped worrying about it happening again. And so now we can enjoy today. And that's basically all one has to do. It's easy for me to say. understand it's hard for some people to do because they don't practice it. They like to continually think about the past, go over the past, thinking that if I go over it enough, I can discover new territory. But that's not true. The past is gone. You can't change it by thinking about it. So all you do is you concentrate on today. You ask yourself, what has that person done to me today? And if they're not doing anything difficult today, you move on and you keep going on. You keep living in today. And that's really all you have to do. Living in the present does take take some discipline and some practice. You know, they have countless uh, meditation techniques that's out there that help people live in the present and and taking a relationship and living in the present, I will say by by practicing that, um, it did make my marriage much easier and much you know, to deal with. And even when issues come up, you end up taking care of it right then because you're in the present. You're not saying, well, 
I, I'm going, we're going, supposed to be going on or uh, having a date night Friday. I don't want to really ruin anything right now. So, but that's me thinking into the future. But if I went ahead and took care of it right now, say, hey, you know, it's a slight issue. You did this with this. And then you had a discussion and then it's over with. Because if both people on the same page are living in the present and dealing with things right then, usually things go by pretty smooth. But the key words I did say is if both people are on the same page, because it takes two to tango. Well, you're absolutely correct. And and let me use another quick example. Uh, Let me use a worst case scenario, which I should say most people consider a worst case. I don't, but most people do. Let's say infidelity, for example. You know, there is a a misconception that if a person cheats once, they will cheat twice and they will cheat always. Uh, Well, see, we apply that to other people, but we don't apply it to ourselves. So we'll say if you will cheat... You will cheat again, but we'll say to ourselves, but I can control me, okay? Now, my, my point is simple, is that uh, I don't know who made that rule up, uh, but whoever made that rule up didn't understand reality, all right? Um, because the, the issues are simple. What we have to do in that case, let's say if you know we, someone has gone through infidelity in their relationship, the question becomes, um, does the person that committed the offense do they really want to reconcile? Do they want to move forward? And mm-hmm. see, that's the real key. So what you have to do in order to move past that is to find a way to determine if the person wants to move forward. If they truly want to move forward, then the issue is, what are they doing to me today? How are they functioning today? And if in my life today they are carrying themselves forward, then why should I keep living in that past? Because what did they really do to me and why did they do it? We don't forgive because our thought process is you did it to me. And that's not true. No one did it to you. You just happened to be hurt because of it. But that doesn't mean they were trying to hurt you. So you have to put it in perspective and say, were they trying to harm me? Or did I just get harmed? It's kind of like a car wreck. Were they trying to run into me? Or did they just run into me? So if the person was not trying to harm me, but I got harmed by their actions, and certainly, you know, we can't uh, minimize the fact that you, you got hurt. But the issue then becomes is were they trying to do it? And if they were not trying to harm me, then that's the starting point right there. So now all we have to do is to look at our life and say, well, okay, what were those factors that created the situation in the first place? Right. And, and are we willing to remove them? If the person is willing to remove those factors, then what we judge the person on is not by what they did, but what they are willing to do to make it better. And if we keep concentrating on what they're willing to do to make it better, our minds stop moving back to what they have done. And we begin to praise and be thankful for what they're willing to do to make it better. So then we concentrate more on the positive than on the negative. That allows us to move beyond our past and be thankful for that present and enjoy that present more. So basically, in a nutshell, we shouldn't really worry too much on the why. It's It's trying to find out the why the person cheated, so to speak. What is that what's really causing the issue? Is like if if I say, I say, okay, I understand what happened and it happened. You're telling me it's not going to happen again. But then if I go dig into why did it happen, does that cause the issue or should I just go ahead and forgive, let go 
and move on and then live in the present? Or should I try to find out the why? There is no why that will make you feel better. I mean, that's the bottom line. Right. Because no matter what, I, what you tell a person, it won't make them feel better. Uh, because if you say you cheated because you love the other person, they're not going to feel better. If you say you cheated because it was just an opportunity, they're not going to feel better. If you say you cheated because they were treating you bad and you went to someone else, they're not going to feel better. And it really doesn't solve the problem. Our problem is we keep trying to look for the past rather than looking for the present. The issue should not be on why you did it. The issue should be on how are we going to mend our relationship? How are we going to find a solution to the issue? Uh, I can tell anyone in 30 seconds why they cheated. It's simple. You enjoyed it. It's, just, <laughs> it's, just, it's really just that simple. Right. You know, so, uh, you know, we can dress it up and we right. can say, well, you know, uh, I did it because you weren't showing me love. So I needed somebody else to show me love. But, you know, that that's that's really bogus within itself. You know, we can say I cheated, you know, for you know, all those kind of various reasons. You know, generally speaking, this is generalities. I, I should say this. Generally speaking, when I'm talking to couples, here's what you find. Women usually say they, they stepped out of their marriage because their husband was not were, the husband were no longer showing them the love that they needed right. and they found it in somebody else usually what the man will for for most men it's opportunity yeah, right. that's, that's kind of the way it plays out well um i don't care how loving i am as a husband that don't mean you're going to find it loving right because you know no matter what i'm doing i you know you're going to always get used to it after a while right and so once you get used to it then it's no longer loving it's routine right. so now if someone else is doing it it still you know heightens your senses again right. so you know no matter what you say it, it doesn't solve the problem right. so the issue becomes what are you willing to do now what are we willing to do the only people that know the circumstances is the person that was in them. So they know best how to not put themselves in that position again. To me, and I tell anyone this, that the best way to guard against repeating the act is to accept that you are human. The minute you put yourself in a position where you say you cannot be pulled into a situation, you set yourself up to be pulled into it. Because then you drop your guard. Right. When you recognize you're a human, then your guard stays up and you stay where you need to be. So that's what people need to start looking at is not why it happened, but how we can ensure that in the future we don't position ourselves to get caught up. Now, I'm going to ask you a question about something you just said about routine. Now, I've, and I've heard other people that, you know, relationship uh, gurus will say this, you know, say something similar. And I'm going to ask you, simple question. Do routines ruin relationships? Routines don't ruin relationships. Expectations that are too flighty ruin relationships. It, it, you know, and that, that that's the thing. Um, for example... Um, if we have, if you want a 4,000 square foot house with a nice backyard, pool in the back, and manicured lawn, there's a routine called mortgage. Right. And you want me to pay that mortgage every month on time. You don't want me to miss that routine. Right. <laughs> you want me right. to keep doing it. 
But if your expectation is a bigger house, <laughs> right. it will ruin the relationship. So the problem isn't the routine. The problem is our expectations. We have expectations that far exceed most individuals' ability to carry it out. Okay. The reason why I asked that is because um, I was today being Valentine's Day, and I was I was at a restaurant, and a lady working the restaurant received flowers and balloons. That's Valentine's Day. Now, any other time she gets this, she would probably be happy. She had this look of content on her face. Like, it was like, no, it was like like a baseline. Like, it was flatline. Like, if you look at the, the meter, it was flatline. And it's because, I, and I told, I told my wife, I said, it's because it's Valentine's Day. She was expecting it today. So, and the man goes and gets this stuff. He brings it there. He's expected a smile. He doesn't get one. So now he's upset. So did, did it really serve any purpose to, for the man to go get the balloons, the flowers, and the candy? Because it's a special day if the person that's receiving it doesn't really even want it because it's already expected because of the routine of it. Well, is it the routine or is it the expectation that was the problem? See, the, it wasn't a routine. It was her expectation that he would do better this year than last year. Than last year. Yeah, I get you. See, if, if see, her expectation was, and I don't know how long they've been together, but right. let's just, I, you know, I'll give you a classic example. When I first met my wife, first first uh, date was at McDonald's, okay? That was the first date, right. McDonald's. And that time, I went all out, okay? <laughs> we went, you know, got the meal deal, the you know, the Big Mac, the fries, and right. the apple pie, the whole nine yards. She was excited because, right. you know, hey, he spent a lot of money on me at that time. That's how she looked at it. Right. Now, I can't do that now. Yeah. That's because her expectation is if you're going to take me out to dinner now, oh, we better go somewhere where they got cloths on the table right. and, you know, all this kind of stuff. You're looking at Ruth Chris at this point. Right. Uh, whereas once the food gets through your stomach, through, through, excuse me, once the food gets through your mouth and in your stomach, you can't tell what it is no way. Right. Once you're a fool, you don't know what it was. But it's the expectation she has now that changes things, not the routine. Because we eat every day. That's the routine. Right. The expectation is up your game. Right. But if she would not have high expectations, she would enjoy it if I took her to McDonald's today. Right. Now, that goes to show, like, um, for the listeners out there, and, and the men will really account for this, the fathers that tell the young men, the first thing they say is start out small. Mm-hmm. You know, start out small because if you start out too big, that's your starting point because it's always going to get bigger from here. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad always told me, he said, never buy a woman jewelry. And I said, why? Because the next year you got to go one step above that. I said, okay. So I, I took the advice. But that goes back to what you were saying about expectations. Right. You know, so... It's, it's really, I never really looked at it that way. And, you know, expectations really causes issues if they're too high or not in agreement with, or even financially, which is going to be a good segue into the money part of this. Expectations deal with everything. For You know, if you look at infidelity, if you look at finances, if you look at children, it's all expectations. And in fact, our inability to forgive is based on expectations because for some faulty reason, we don't expect our, our significant other to be human. Right. So we don't expect you to make a mistake. That's what makes us so angry. And I can't believe you made a mistake. Well, how can you expect any human being to be perfect? 
See, right. to me, that is an uh, expectation that is unrealistic. I don't have unrealistic unreal- expectations personally. The reason why I don't have them is because I'm a counselor. <laughs> and so right. when I'm counseling people, I have not met anyone that was not subject to make a mistake. So therefore, my expectation is anybody can make a mistake. And if anybody can, that means anybody will. And so it's easier for me to forgive because I expect people to make mistakes. So again, that's what I'm saying. It all goes to expectation. So you marry someone, your expectation is they will never cheat. That's your expectation. Right. Is it a realistic expectation? That's the question. Right. When you consider statistics, is it realistic? Now, I may hope you never cheat, but is it realistic to expect that you will never cheat? Because cheating is not just what you do physically, it's emotionally as well. Right. So there are people who cheat emotionally uh, as well as people who cheat physically. And both of them can be just as devastating to a relationship. So explain, explain to me and the listeners what emotional cheating is. Uh, there are people who, who, let's say, for example, if um, you know you go to work one day and you're depressed and your your coworker says to you, hey, you know, you know, you're looking mighty nice today. And all of a sudden you perk up a little, perk up a little bit. Well, thank right. you. You know, the next day you come in, they compliment you again. Thank you. Uh, that's nice. And so after a while, you began to get attached to those compliments from that person. Right. And so you began to uh, that begins to be a part of what you desire every day. Right. And so emotionally, you start to need that person's compliments. You start to confide in that person. They start to confide in you. And so you have, have a closeness just based on that. It doesn't have to be anything physical, but you have a closeness there. And that person begins to appreciate you and you appreciate them more than you appreciate your spouse. So you're sitting at home, can't wait to get to work. Right. And you can't wait to get to work because you find being at work allows you to be with someone that makes you feel good about yourself. And so when you find people that make you feel good about yourself, you be t- you get emotionally attached to them because they make you feel good about yourself. Right. Uh, and that can be just as devastating and sometimes more devastating than a physical relationship. It's a slippery slope when you get to that point. Well, because it can cause you to withdraw from the other person that you call yourself being with. You know, right. and, and that withdrawal can cause problems within itself. And that withdrawal can cause the other person to seek someone else. Because you have withdrawn from them because right. you're emotionally attached to somebody at work. You know, uh, you know, I, I, for example, I have seen, you know, in, in the workplace, um, wives who will cook and bring food to the office, you know, and, and, and provide lunches for certain guys in the office. Right. And they're not even cooking dinner for their husbands at home. <laughs> Right now, but that's because they are emotionally attached to those guys in the right. office, and so they're trying to please them. Now they're doing more to please the person in the office than they're doing to please their husband at home. They come home and they're saying to the husbands, "I work just like you work." Right. <laughs> so therefore, why should I have to do all the cooking? But yet, if there's some gentleman in the office has a birthday, they'll cook a cake and they'll bring it in. They'll make sure he's happy right. because they have that emotional emotional attachment to that person. And so that can be devastating uh, to any relationship. And and it goes both ways. It's not just women that do that. Men become emotionally attached as well. Now, if you are if you are recognizing this happening to yourself, so you, now you're the person that's becoming emotionally attached to another person and you're recognizing like, oh, I like these compliments. How do you reverse it to say, OK, I shouldn't be getting this from them. I need to be getting it from my spouse. 
So how do I reverse it, verse back out of it, and then get it from where it really should be coming from? And that's a that's 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 a whole that's a, <laughs> that's, that's a big slice. I'm gonna say it that way, <laughs> because what what often happens? Well, let me tell you what happens. In our we'll talk about how to do it. Often what happens is people get angry first, because even when they recognize it, they're saying. Well, why isn't my spouse giving me what this other person is giving me? Right. So when they go to their spouse to get it, they go to it in a negative way rather than a positive way. Is why don't you say you love me? Why don't you compliment my hair? Why don't you tell me I look good today? Why don't, why don't, why don't, why don't? Which that doesn't give anyone the incentive to say it. So then when I do say it, it's like, oh, you only said it because I told you to say it, which right. can be problematic within itself. To me, the, the, the thing to do is to understand something that the one person that's complimenting you, you have to understand why they are complimenting you. The issue is how do you feel about yourself, not how do other people feel about you. So what you have to start working on is not what other people say, but how you feel about you. It's about your own self-image. I look in the mirror every day, and so I I don't need anyone to tell me how I look (laughs) because I know how I look because I see myself in the mirror. And so even if my wife doesn't say anything about my looks, it really doesn't matter because I know how I look. And if someone else does, it doesn't matter because I know how I look. So the issue is you stop focusing on what other people have to say about you and you start focusing on how you feel about who you are. And that way you don't put pressure on either party. And so if you feel good about you, it doesn't matter what other folks say, because you know who you are and you know how you feel. Hmm. Very well said. Well said. So that we was um, forgot to get that segue in there to the finances. So one issue that uh, that people say is like the, one of the number one reasons or number two one, between one and two reasons of a uh, reason for a divorce is money. And we, you know, we're covering the the subject of forgiveness. So, how does one handle a situation to where it's say that your finances are not joint jointly together? You have two separate bank accounts, but you know each person's on the other person's account, and one spouse takes money out of another spouse's account without them letting them without letting them know. And let's say, for instance, in this scenario that you're not really monitoring your finances, you know, your bank account that that much because you got so much in there, you don't have to look at it that, you know, that deeply or in detail. But when you do look at it, you know, this money is gone out of your savings account. How do we go about, because this is, you know, I know people, this is, for people, this is a deal breaker. Like, I'm done, I'm finished with you, that's right. it. Mm-hmm. How do we get past that? When, when that scenario happens. Right. Well, you got you got two things at play. One is how do I trust that you won't steal from me again, right? Because you did steal from me. Uh, the other issue, I think the key issue is, is did you think it was stealing? See, I think, you know, that's really the thing. Again, it kind of goes back to expectation again. Because for one person, their thought might be, I'm not stealing from you. This is our money. It may be in your account, but it's still our money. So my taking it was not stealing. It's just me taking what belongs to us. Now, um, so the other thing is, well, how much harm did it do to me, you know, when you took the money? Because really, forgiveness is really about whether or not I feel like it harmed me or not. If I don't think it harmed me, it's easy to forgive. If I think it hurt me a lot, it's hard to forgive. So that, that really becomes the question, how much did it harm me? But if I'm in a relationship for eternity, let's say, then 
did I really think the person was trying to hurt me because hurting me hurts them. Right. So if they take money and, and we are now financially strapped, they hurt themselves. And obviously they're not trying to hurt themselves. They just made a bad decision. So I have to look at it in the context of that. They made a bad decision. Not right. that they tried to steal from me. So what I simply have to do is, okay, they made a bad decision. It's like any other bad decision a couple may make. Uh, I see that no differently than if we have joint accounts and they don't take my money, but they go and buy a car worth $50,000. Right. And we really can't afford a car worth $50,000. Right. That's still taking money out of my pocket because right. if they got to make that car payment, they have less money to put toward our bills. So it's, it's a similar scenario. So what do I do? Well, I don't divorce them because they bought the car. So I don't divorce them because they took the money. And so it's a simple matter of how do I make sure that it doesn't happen again? That means I just have to partition off what funding I know that we need to keep us viable for whatever period of time I'm trying to put my money aside for. And so once you do that, then you take away that issue uh, again. So I can forgive you because it's just what you made a bad decision, not you stole from me. Right. Because the reality is you didn't steal from me because what you have is mine because we both are married. Uh, so that that really uh, brings me brings me to the next question: Is should this is this is going to be a, a touchy subject? But should the finances be jointly together in one account, or is it okay to have it in separate accounts? Um, this is what the Bible says: Where your treasures are, is where your heart will be. If you put the money in separate accounts, you'll split your heart. You put it in one account. Ain't nobody going nowhere because we ain't leaving our money there. Now, right. The issue really is not joint or separate accounts. The issue is function. Mm-hmm. And that's how we didn't look at it. Right. What are the function of the accounts? So let's say we, you know, we may have an operating account. that This is what's going to take care of our, our, our daily bills. It can be in both our names, but it's our operational account. Right. We can have an account for retirement. We can, you know, uh, for, for, for buy a home, whatever. So if you segregate your accounts based on function and not based on person, it changes things. Because now we know which accounts you can touch and which accounts you can't touch. You know, we know that, what, this is our retirement account, and we know we can't touch that for a couple of reasons. One, we've got a tax issue that we've got to deal with if we do right. touch it, and, you know, those kind of things. And, and, and if we have an account, let's say, you know, where our mortgage comes out every month, whatever, you know, the, our regular bill payer accounts. Well, we know if we take money out of that, it's going to, you know, the, the, the lights are going to get cut off because of automatic draft. So we got to have a certain amount of money in that account every month. Right. But then we may have a slush fund account. Well, that's the account we know that we can go in and pull money in and out of. And so my recommendation for all couples is that to avoid those issues that deal with, I got to forgive you for robbing me, is to set up accounts based on function and not based on individuals. Good answer. Well, we have reached the uh, 30-minute mark of this podcast. Wow, what a good one. A lot of good information in this podcast. Thank you, Pastor, for coming on the show today. Um, Look forward to seeing you uh, this Wednesday and this coming Sunday for church service. Thank you again for joining us. Till next time. Thank you.